Hey there, future fans! This week, Freaky Friday gets flipped, and if you believe, we put a man on the moon. This is the week of April 9th, 2021, and you are listening to episode 199 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show yes that's right it is that time it is time for another episode and i have brought you another episode i have not had a break but funny news i'm gonna have a break because here's the thing as you can see the episode number is 199 which means logically if we continue our progression the next episode would be 199.1 no it'd be episode 200 200 episodes in um well five years it's uh it's going to be the fifth year anniversary this year on june 17th uh because this this show came out on june 17th i'll talk more about this on the 200th episode but the fact that it took me five years to get to 200 episodes is what makes me very very certain that robbie and lisa from we're doing fine with robbie and lisa a good good friends of the show and a podcast I honestly like, too. I, I do listen to them, not just because I know Lisa, and I know Robbie, too, by this point, but because I actually like their show. They do good stuff. So in their short amount of time doing this, they're already halfway to me. So I'm going to have to, you know, just keep doing what I'm doing. If I force it, I'm just going to get in a funk, and then I'm going to take longer and longer breaks. But yes, there's going to be a break after this episode of at least a week. This episode comes out, or this episode is for the week of April 9th. The next week is my anniversary, so I'm taking it off for two reasons. A, I I, I want to, and B, I'm planning something, and I want time to do it. And some of you, my good friends, I'll be reaching out to you for help with the final episode. Uh, my somewhat nerdy brothers, uh, my watch mouth brothers, and... Of course, we're doing fine. I'll reach out to you all as well. But yes, for episode 200, it will be a lot like a normal show because I will watch a couple movies and I will tell you what's coming out on streaming and talk about the new movie news and trailers that caught my eye since the last episode. But I will also have an announcement. And the announcement is a long time coming. It's a good announcement. I'm, I'm not ending the show. So yes, it's a good announcement. Uh, but for now, my future friends, why why even wait? Why even beat around the bush? Why do this to ourselves? Let us jump into the first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood. The news. Well, we have a story. The House of Gucci promises a kitschy, high-end soap opera from director Ridley Scott. This is the movie starring Adam Driver and Lady Gaga. That's going to be called, quote, a splashy true crime drama based on the murder of, well, Gucci. While she didn't actually physically kill him, she just uh, got him assassinated. She orchestrated the assassination. So we have Adam Driver playing 
uh, Maruzio Gucci, and we have Lady Gaga playing his wife, Patrizia Reggiani, I think is how you say it. That movie is set to come out November 24th, but then once again, we will see if things get pushed back. And my future friends, this next story, uh, this first, that first story is from IndieWire. This one's from IndieWire too. And, you know, I, I get why they write stories like this and why Ryan Latin, Latanzio wrote this story because they want clicks. The, they want to have headlines that get people's attention and maybe even shock them. This one's about Millie Bobby Brown, who says she's never seen a Marvel or Harry Potter movie. She's like, oh, no. I know to you and me, my future friends, that may be that may be shocking. Like, who wouldn't want to see it? Like your friends, you, you probably have friends that are not interested in comics at all. I think comics are nerd shit, but then they go and see Avengers in the theaters. And while it's a very foreign thing to me and it makes me wonder why why would you never see these huge news making movie world changing movies it's her choice yeah that's fine um she says i'm doing that stuff already i want to see something that's real that's fine good for her another indie wire story china has banned Os- the oscars from broadcasting in well china and this article by jude dry says that there are actually two reasons for this. Uh, The first reason is because the short documentary Do Not Split has been nominated for an Oscar. This is a 36-minute documentary that puts viewers on the front lines of Hong Kong's pro-democracy protests. So basically, this documentary is going to call China out on some of the horrible shit it's been doing. I'm not sure if it's going to touch the Uyghur situation. But at least the horrible shit that went down with Hong Kong and its pro-democracy protests. And China isn't happy. And l- let me make it very clear. Because I know there's been a lot about Asian hate out there. And I, I just want to make sure everyone knows that for this story, and always on the show, I'm never going to hate on a race. But for this show, we're talking about the government behind the country of China. We're talking about the Chinese government and not Chinese people. I just want to make that very clear, and I want to spell that out for y'all. But we know because when, I forgot forgot how it started, but the president of China, Xi Jinping, at one time was jokingly compared to Winnie the Pooh. And since then, Winnie the Pooh has been banned in China. And basically, anything that talks out about or speaks out about the Chinese government is now being cracked down on, especially because of what happened in Hong Kong. So the Chinese government not liking this, hating this. So they are, that's one reason that they are going to not show the Oscars that this movie has, how dare it be nominated, right? How dare it try to tell the truth. And the other reason is because the director of the Oscar nominated film Nomadland, Chloe Shao, has come out with pro-democracy statements, thus, you know, something the Chinese government wouldn't like. So for those two reasons, the government has ordered that none of the media services in the country show or even try to, uh, or even try to allude to the Oscars. This next story comes to us from Slash Film. The Borderlands movie has begun filming. Yes, Borderlands, the popular video game series, and it has a cast, it has a director. We know the director is 
Eli Roth. So that makes me wonder how he's going to somehow put sexual assault in this movie, because that seems to be one of his favorite things to put in a film. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Eli Roth at all. Uh, I don't mind him as an actor, as a director and producer. Not that, not that great. But the Borderlands movie has a cast. Uh, Kate Blanchett as Lilith. Haley Bennett's in it as a thus unnamed character. Jack Black will voice Claptrap. Jamie Lee Curtis is Tannis. Kevin Hart is Roland. Ariana Greenblatt is Tiny Tina. Uh, Florian Montanu is Krieg. Anyone else? That's it for now. So my question, my question right now, the question I have sit on my tongue that I'm about to say is why, 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 why do we need a Borderlands movie? I loved the games. I think the games are great. Uh, they have gotten progressively better and better and better with each one. Uh, the last Borderlands game I enjoyed so much that's now hard for me to go back and play one just because it's so much, it, it it learned so much as a game series, just like Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts 2 is so much better than one. That's how game series work. They, unless you're Call of Duty or Assassin's Creed or one of these other shitty game franchises, you learn and you grow. But my question, why? Why does this film need to be made? And my second question was going to be, why is Jack Black voicing Claptrap when Claptrap has a voice actor in the games? It seems like there's actually a good reason for this. So Claptrap was originally voiced by a voice actor named Dave Eddings. And then he was replaced by a new voice actor named Jim Faranda because apparently David Eddings claimed that Gearbox CEO Randy Pitchford assaulted him calling him bitter and disgruntled. So maybe they thought, hey, we can get a famous person to voice Claptrap and we can separate ourselves from all that f***ing drama. So that was actually a good a, a good pivot for them. And you know my, my feelings on famous people voice acting. It's not really needed, but for Jack Black, I think that he is the right choice for this. My future friends, this next story comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter. Director John Woo is set to produce a Chinese superhero movie based on an unreleased story by Stan Lee. This film is an comic that was never released. War Stan Lee's take on The Legend of the Monkey King. He put it together in 2016 from a, from a comic book project that was left, left unpublished by the time he died. Now, John Woo is going to step up and do this project. The comic, and thus the movie, will be called Monkey Master. And according to this article, the film will follow New York City archaeologist Lee Yong as he discovers an ancient prophecy about the Monkey King, which brings him to India, where he uncovers a hidden power that transforms him into a modern-day superhero, the Monkey Master. So yes, I am, I am down. I already want to see this. I already want to see this. And my future friends, next story comes to us from Variety. We now know more, or at least one more thing, about the new Space Jam movie. It's going to be called Space Jam A New Legacy, and Zendaya is now voicing the character of Lola Bunny. And I, I was looking at this, and I was ready, you know me, I was ready to talk shit about the film, because I was expecting all of these new people, all these famous people to be voicing people like Bugs and whatever, but no, actual voice actors, for the most part, are doing this. Uh, Daffy, Marvin the Martian, Tweety, Bug, Sylvester, Yosemite Sam, Porky Pig are all done by voice actors who have previously voiced th those characters, so yay on that. 
uh, Zendaya is voicing Lola Bunny because from what I can tell, only from what I can tell, and I'm probably missing something here, uh, the last person to do Lola Bunny was Kristen Wiig. So maybe Zendaya is a fresher face, someone who will bring more, you know, more people into the seats. And Gabriel Iglesias is Speedy Gonzalez, probably because historically Speedy Gonzalez was voiced by white people. And maybe, maybe that's not cool anymore. So yes, they fixed that by getting Gabriel Iglesias to voice Speedy Gonzalez. My future fans, you know, a lot like me, that we shouldn't trust pop, pop culture news on April Fool's Day. That's just something we shouldn't do. Do you remember way back when? When Smash Brothers Melee was a thing, uh, GameStop or some game company, uh, either game retailer or actual game maker, had a April Fool's prank that Tails, Sonic and Tails were playable characters and had this crazy way of unlocking them. A lot of people believed that. A lot of people believed that. And one of my good friends at the time got really mad at me when I made fun of him for believing it. But certain news you just look at and you're like, yeah, that's that, that feels right. And that news comes to us from The Verge. Warner Brothers cancels New Gods from Ava DuVernay and James Wan's Akronoff, Akronoff. <clears throat> and James Wan's Aquaman spinoff, The Trench. James Wan was going to do a Aquaman horror spinoff of The Trench, you know, the Marianas Trench. So these two things could have been really cool and very interesting, but Warner Brothers said once again, you know what? F*** cool and interesting. F*** things that fans may actually like. Uh, we're going to do what we want. And then they just kicked a puppy. It said, lol. I'm pretty sure that's what they did. You, you, you can try and quote me on that, but I don't actually have proof that they kicked the puppy and said, lol. But that's, that's probably what they did. All right, my friends. The next story comes to us from Polygon. This is about the future of the MonsterVerse. Godzilla vs. Kong director Adam Wingard spoke to Polygon and said that the future is very uncertain, though he says he looks at this as more of an Avengers Endgame and not a finale. And what I assume he means by that, because it seems like a very clear meaning behind his words, but what I assume he means is that this was the end of one giant chapter. Whatever happens next will be a new chapter, thus the thus the uh, next three phases in the MCU versus the first three. But he does say it's complicated because all of these movies, uh, every, anything with Godzilla, is only due to a deal between Legendary Pictures and Toho LTD. Toho LTD, the creators and owners of Godzilla. And... One big question is that Toho has said or shown interest in putting out their own Godzilla films after this last one. So this begs a question, will there be more MonsterVerse movies or is this really the swan song? Well, only time will tell. Our next story comes to us from Gaming Bible. Apparently, Paramount is ready to reboot the Transformers series, and this is a full reboot. It will have nothing to do with Michael Bay's disease-ridden films, and it will be helmed by Marco Ramirez, who oversaw both The Defenders and Daredevils with Netflix. So hopefully it's a good sign that we will get some good Transformers movies, because I'll admit it, the first Transformers movie was good. I liked it. The rest were hot garbage i haven't seen bumblebee yet but it was supposed to be good but let's remember that 
Michael Bay didn't have his hands all throughout Bumblebee, so that could be why it was enjoyed. This next story, many of you have probably already heard, comes from The Insider. Uh, you may have heard that a Florida man has done something that doesn't involve, you know, drugs or sex or murder. And that is, he saw Avengers Endgame 191 times in theaters, breaking the Guinness World Record for the most cinema produ uh, productions attended of the same film. So yay? Cool, I guess? Well, our last film is just, is just some fun news. Well, not fun. It sounds really f***ed up saying it that way. Some interesting news from Cosmopolitan. Apparently, Florence Pugh and Scarlett Johansson both had pneumonia while filming Black Widow. But here's why I say it was fun. Or it's fun news, because apparently, according to uh, the director of Black Widow, she said that Scarlett Johansson is completely unpretentious. And that makes her really fun to be around. She'll be joking with the best boy or the runner. There's no hierarchy. She appreciates people and she makes people feel appreciated. And I'm really glad to hear that because you know me. You know that I have an iffy history with Scarlett Johansson because a lot of her films, it they feel phoned in. That's why when I saw Marriage Story, even though I didn't like the film, she was fantastic in it. So she can be really, really good. We just don't see it a lot. But it's good to hear that both her and Florence Pugh just fought through the pneumonia, though I, I, I think it would have been better if they could maybe take some time off. But I'm also glad to hear that she is a pretty down-to-earth person, or at least as down-to-earth as a millionaire can be. Well, my future friends, that is it for the news. If I missed a big story you think I should have talked about, let me know. But without further ado, let us jump into our first break as we hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast, and we'll be right back with the trailers. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, everyone, we are back. We are back with everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to The Trailer Trove. So our first trailer of the week is for the next Guy Ritchie movie, Wrath of Man, starring Jason Statham, Scott Eastwood, Jeffrey Donovan, Josh Hartnett. That's a pretty good cast right there. Also has Post Malone, who's in more and more movies. It's coming out May 7th this year, and it follows H, a cold and mysterious character working at a cash truck company responsible for moving hundreds of millions of dollars around Los Angeles each week. But there's more to it than that. Uh, the trailer shows us that he's very, very good at killing. He's extremely good at killing. And that's weird, right? Jason Statham in a movie where he's good at killing? That's so new. I just, but you know I'm going to see this. You know I'm going to watch it. But basically, Jason Satham's character, his son was killed during an armored truck robbery. Jason Satham wakes up after being shot, or H wakes up after being shot, and he goes on the rampage looking for who did it. He eventually decides he wants to go undercover, gets hired to buy this armored truck company, hoping that the people will try and strike again and he'll find out who killed his son, but he thinks it's an inside job. So all you need to know, my friends, is Jason Statham action film directed by Guy Ritchie. That's it. 
That will tell you right now if you want to see this or not. All right, everyone. The next trailer is one that I've actually been waiting for for quite a while. It's a film called Spiral. It comes out May 14th. And this is about a criminal mastermind that unleashes a twisted form of justice in a terrifying new chapter from the Book of Saw. That's right. This is Chris Rock's Saw movie. And now we know a little more about it. We know that this takes place in the same world as the Saw movies. We know that Saw has already happened. So from what I'm gathering in the from the trailer, this is something completely new. And it's a copycat killer doing something similar. But we know that John Kramer is dead. We know that all of that is taken care of. The, the Saw saga is over with. This is something new. This is directed by Darren Lynn Bozeman, who did Saw 2, 3, and 4. And Chris Rock is not only the star, but the executive producer. If you know me, and you've been around the block a while with this show, you know I did like the Saw series. Uh, because I thought it was just straight-up torture porn when uh, before I watched it. And don't get me wrong, it is torture porn. <laughs> but there was a really interesting story behind everything and especially how with the last few the story just like kept going bang 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 from one to the other to the other and how it all wraps up very well i i think it was the one of the better horror series in general because i think it wraps itself up very well and so i'm not angry with this one just because it's a new story is this the start of a new saga or is this a one-off uh, a little too early to tell, but I am excited because Chris Rock, he is a good actor and he can do drama. We know this. Uh, this also stars Samuel L. Jackson. And uh, that's what I need to see. And I want to see this when it comes out May 14th. All right, my future friends, the next film in the trailer trove is a is a charming little movie uh, from a writer-director, Nicole Beckwith, starring Patty Harrison and Ed Helms. And it's about a young loner who becomes the gestational surrogate for a single man in his 40s. The two strangers come to realize this unexpected relationship will change their perceptions of connection, boundaries, and the particulars of love. So this is about Ed Helms' character, Matt, Patty Harrison's Anna. Matt is in his 40s. He realizes that he's not going to find that one special person, but he wants a kid. So he finds and hires a surrogate, played by Anna. And during this time, they connect. But from what I can tell in the trailer, not in a romantic way, but in kind of, yeah, we are, we're kind of together now, but not like that. Thus the, thus the title together together, you know, we're together, but we're not together together with air quotes. I think Ed Helms is, a, is an actor that's slept on way too much. And I think this movie might be one that really puts him out there more so than ever before. I think this looks really cute and it comes out May 11th. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, my future friends, next up we have a movie called Percy vs. Goliath. This is a biography drama that comes out on April 30th, and this is about Percy. Uh, Percy 
Schemeiser, I think, a Cana- based on a true story, of course, based on a Canadian farmer that takes on a giant corporation after their GMOs interfere with his crop. And that's not really true. That, that That's not really the, um, the premise. And whoever wrote that premise, I, I think they're trying to sell this movie to... People like who live in my area of Santa Cruz who see the word GMO and they're like, oh, it's automatically awful and bad. Not realizing, yes, there are bad GMOs, but genetically modifying something doesn't mean you put poison in it. Like, that, that's not what it means. But that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about what the movie is actually about. This is actually about this guy named Percy. And he's a farmer. And he doesn't buy seeds because every year he harvests seeds from his previous crop and... That's what he does, and he makes money doing that because he doesn't have to buy the seeds from these companies until the evil megacorporation Monsanto comes forward and tries to sue him, saying that he is using their special product uh, because it turns out that some of their GMOs uh, somehow got into his crops. I'm not sure if it's through Roundup or if they or if he initially bought the seeds from them, whatever it is, somehow his seeds, even though he's collecting them himself from his own plants every year still have that genetic material in it. So Monsanto was saying, hey, you owe us. And so they're suing him for like a million dollars, which, hey, he's a farmer. That's going to bankrupt him and most people in the world who aren't the 1%. And so he fights back. And we can assume a couple things with this movie. We can assume that since they're making a movie out of it, it's probably going to go in his favor, especially... Especially because we love those types of movies, don't we? We love these movies about this small person taking on this big, evil corporation. And let's face it, Monsanto, outside of like Jeff Bezos, is as evil as it gets. Worse than like Apple and Nike and better than Amazon and Walmart. Just in my opinion, maybe there's a lot more I don't know about Monsanto, maybe. But let's just, let's just keep it there for now. But he goes up against his company and from... What I'm going to what I'm going to assume he wins because unless there's a lot more to it, the basic thing of this is that he even if he bought the seeds once, he bought the seeds once, then he harvests them from the plants that are technically his property. And then so he replants them, which are still his property because he bought the original seeds. It's not like he broke into one of their factories and stole all the seed or stole all these chemicals and went, ha ha, you Monsanto. And he and he twirls his waxed mustache and runs off. Uh, but this has an interesting main cast. Uh, Percy is played by Christopher Walken. Uh, and this looks like a wonderful role for Christopher Walken because he is one of those actors that you can see in a goofy a, a goofy comedy movie. And you're like, yes, Christopher Walken would 100% do that. And then you see him in a dram- dramatic role and you're like, oh yeah, he's actually really good. How do we sleep on him all the time? Also stars Zach Braff in a serious role. Zach Braff from Scrubs. And Adam Beach, Adam Beach from movies like Flags of Our Fathers and Wind Talkers. Uh, this movie looks pretty good. Thus far, I don't know if it's coming out just in theaters or if it's getting a VOD release, but I'll tell you when I know. All right, my friends, next up we have to talk about one of the obvious ones we have to talk about coming out July 16th, and that is called Space Jam A New Legacy. Uh, the movie no one asked for, but the more that's coming out about it, the more I want it. This is about NBA superstar LeBron James, who teams up with Bugs Bunny and the rest of the Looney Tunes for this long-awaited sequel, directed by Malcolm D. Lee, who did movies like uh, Girls Trip, Undercover Brother, and The Best Man Holiday. Oh, he also did Soul Men, uh, Scary Movie 5, 
And this movie, we we learned a couple things from this trailer. We learned that uh, LeBron is having some issues with his son. He wants his son to be a basketball player, but his son doesn't want to. Uh, so I think right there, that's a very interesting story. So this is going to be a father-son story as well as a as well as LeBron and the Looney Tunes versus not the Monstars this time. It's the Goon Squad uh, because space now isn't space as in outer space. These aren't aliens coming down to Earth to uh, to, you know, stomp out the tunes in humanity. This is cyberspace. And we also learn during this trailer that LeBron's original original team has none of the Looney Tunes. Let's see if I can find the original list he puts together. His original team has Superman, Gandalf, King Kong, and the Iron Giant. But he is stuck with the Looney Tunes. Uh, he's, they're the ones that have to, you know, play basketball. And we'll see if they acknowledge if the first one existed or not. Because it could be very important for the story. Because it looks like they're having to train all over again. But the question is, do they just have to relearn what they already know? Or... Did the first one never happen? And this is a sequel, but also a standalone, if, if you see what I mean. But in this movie, we also get a little flavor from Ready Player One in the sense that we get a lot of references from everything else. Before the game starting, we see other characters coming in to watch the game. We see the Mystery Machine. So we assume Scooby-Doo and gang. We see the Iron Giant. We see a dragon, probably from Game of Thrones, unless they really want to go old school and they're going to go Dragonheart. We see a lot of Hanna-Barbera people. We see the Flintstones, we see Yogi Bear, uh, we see Jabberjaw, and that that ape with the hat and the pants, I forgot what they call him. Captain Caveman swings by, we then see King Kong. And when LeBron originally goes to Toon World, it is 2D animation, but then during the game, when the game starts, it turns to 3D animation, which I think is a very nice touch, showing that these worlds exist outside of each other, or separate from each other. So it looks like this movie is doing two things very well, and two things that normally don't go together. They are keeping the spirit of the original film, but they're also doing their own thing. Because as much as it's similar to... Michael Jordan's Space Jam, it is different from Michael Jordan's Space Jam, and I think they have something good on their hands. And famed director Ryan Coogler is one of the producers, along with LeBron James. So this looks pretty damn good. Coming out July 16th. Two more trailers, my future friends. Both of them are comic book movies, so if you're not a fan, um, I'm sorry. You probably hate my show, but if you're not a fan, skip forward. Uh, the next comic book movie we have to talk about is Black Widow, coming out July 9th in theaters and Disney Plus Premier Access. And I know what I've said before. I know that I will never ever pay for Disney Plus Premier Access, but I may have to with this one because I am really excited. Or hopefully I'll just go see it in theaters because California is starting to open up theaters again. And I think if it's done safe and smart, still keep your social distancing, wear your mask. I think it can be done well, because look, I wear my mask all day at work, and I am fine. You can wear it for, how long is this movie? Two hours and 13 minutes. If I can wear it for my full shift, you can wear it for two hours and 13 minutes and not f***ing complain. I have co-workers with asthma and breathing problems that can wear their mask all the time. But anyway, Black Widow looks so good. I think it has the potential to be one of the best Marvel movies, and it's a shame that it may not do as well in the theaters because of COVID, because I think it could have crushed it. Because you know me, I was never a fan of Black Widow, because she is a she was, until now, seemingly a boring character. 
Scarlett Johansson is a talented actress and they just give her this character that's basically a blank slate and say, oh no, don't add flavor to it. Just be boring in this role at all times. Uh, even when you're trying to be emotional, kind of make it look awkward and weird. And we're not going to give her the backstory she needs until she's dead. So just in case this very stoic Katniss Everdeen performance has a very good reason, uh, you won't know it until she's dead. So there we go. But I am very excited. I'm very excited because it looks like Scarlett Johansson will be really good in this. Florence Pugh is in it. She's fantastic. Uh, Rachel Weiss, David Harbour, William Hurt. That's just an amazing cast. In the true spirit of Marvel movies, this film looks like it's going to deliver a great story as well as be visually pleasing, be action-packed. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a great film. July 9th, the week before Space Jam. Uh, I'm very excited. Oh yeah, this movie does take place between Civil War and Infinity War if you're wondering how she's alive. That's how this is takes place before Endgame, well before Endgame. And my future friends, until I give one more look on the YouTubes, the final trailer we're going to talk about is the new one for the Suicide Squad. And they did a good job with this one because it is a lot of the scenes we've seen before. Some of them are drawn out a little bit and there's some new stuff. We see more of certain characters. We actually see Ratcatcher 2 in a couple more scenes. We still don't see a lot of Blackguard. We see more Peacemaker. We see Peacemaker get a very funny scene. And we now know who Nathan Fillion is playing, who TDK is. And yes, like a lot of people have speculated, TDK is Arms Fall Off Boy. If you're not familiar with Arms Fall Off Boy, uh, his power is that his arms fall off and he can use them as melee weapons. In fact, he, can, he has removable limbs. He can detach any limb, so uh, arms or legs, and use them as a weapon. So how has he not saved the world yet? Oh my god. So I've been listening to the Oblivion Bar podcast, and I like their work, and I think they're going to be one of my new regular shows. And one of the hosts of the Oblivion Bar podcast does not like Zack Snyder. He does not like his plan for the DC uh, DCEU, uh, and so I don't think he'll ever positively talk about the hashtag Restore the Snyderverse. And I think he'll get his wish, just because... What I think is going to happen is I think we're going to see a lot of call to restore the Snyderverse. I really think we will. We will see a lot of people crying about that like they've already been crying about it. Like I've been crying about it. And then this movie will come out. It will do super well because it's going to be good because it seems like Warner Brothers left James Gunn the fuck alone. And maybe that's what they should do with all the directors. I don't know. Because uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League has been well-loved by people, even people who absolutely hated the first one, at least kind of like this one. And then we, so we have Warner Brothers leaving Zack Snyder alone to do his Snyderverse or Snyder cut. And then we have them hope, I hope they left James Gunn alone because it seems like they did because this doesn't have the doom feeling like a lot of other, like a lot of other DC movies do. So it seems like they left James Gunn alone. So I don't think we're getting the Snyderverse because this movie will do well, but hopefully DC learned their lesson and Warner Brothers learned their lesson and they're keeping their hands out of it. I said it in the last episode, not last episode, I said it two episodes ago when we were talking about the Justice League Snyder Cut. I can't believe that Disney, of all people, does this better than, uh, than Warner Brothers slash DC does, where they can hire a director 
and just give, you know, hey, we're Disney, you know our things, here's some rules, but we're really going to let you do your vision. I can't believe Disney is better at this than Warner Brothers, but hopefully this movie, hopefully The Suicide Squad, coming out August 6, 2021, going to theaters and HBO Max, hopefully that is a sign that Warner Brothers took their head out of their ass, but only time will tell. So my future friends, that is it for the trailer trove. And before you say something, no, I do know the Loki trailer, the second Loki trailer came out, but you know, these episodes have been going too long. I used to be a half hour show and then we started getting closer to an hour 15 and in an effort to keep it lower, I'm going to skip that, but check out the second Loki trailer. It looks dope. All right, it is time for our next break as we hear a word from our friends at the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast, and we'll be right back with the movies coming out this week. Please stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling do you like wrestling yeah then you should listen to our podcast do you not like wrestling you should still listen to our podcast someone to read a comms nerds of the squared circle subscribe to us on itunes or your favorite podcast app today nerds of the squared circle on someone nerdy.com all right we are back with the Movies coming to streaming this week, and the first one we have to talk about is My True Fairy Tale coming to VOD. This is about Angie Good- Goodwin, who runs away after a horrific car crash to make her dream of becoming a superhero come true. This stars BJ Mitchell from Greenhouse Academy, and it looks pretty weird. Um, the trailer really makes it unclear if she really walked away of her own under her own power or she was kidnapped because she she's voicing over the trailer saying oh i can fly i can do all this but every time she says something that she can do back at home they're hinting at something she she says oh i could fly and then her mother goes where's her passport that's missing and and all of her friends are getting really dramatic over her over her disappearance which you know is a realistic thing but just in the trailer it comes across as very try hard very melodramatic and it just doesn't look like a good film Next up, we have a movie called Held, another VOD release. After a couple's alien marriage is put to the test when they are held hostage in an isolated vacation rental by an unseen voice that commands their every move. This stars Bart Johnson from High School Musical. And, um, it just looks like one of those weird thrillers. We have this married couple and they wake up and the woman's like, wait, wait, I didn't go to bed in this. Something weird's going on. There's flowers in their room and a card, but they should be the only people out there. Then this voice calls up and goes, hey, um, you're not allowed to leave. I have to do everything I say or I'm going to kill you. A very basic film. This trailer did nothing to show us that this movie is going to do anything different from those before it. Uh, next up, we have a film called The Tunnel, another VOD release. When a truck crashes inside a tunnel, people on their way home from Christmas are brutally trapped in the deadly fire. With a blizzard raging outside and the first responders struggling to get to the accident, it's every man for himself. This stars Thorbjorn Har from Vikings. Uh, this is a Norwegian movie. And fun fact from the trailer, it says there are over 1,100 tunnels in Norway and most without emergency exits or rooms. The tunnel safety in Norway is based on a self-support. It's your own responsibility to get out. Uh, but the weird thing is, in the trailer, people show up. They're first responders. People are sent out to help them. So how can it be their responsibility to get out 
if there's no, if people are showing up to help, unless it's a legal thing. And then unless it's like, oh, we didn't get them out. So it's their own fault. They didn't do it. Hey, we're fine. You know, the, it's not the country's infrastructure. It's not the, the quality of the tunnel. It's none of that. It's their fault. So that's the only reason I can think that they would say that. But basically this feels like a a Norwegian answer to daylight, just not as epic. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to quote Oblivion Bar podcast one more time because in their Justice League episode, uh, I really should learn their names. I'm, I'm sorry if you if you guys do listen to the show. I'm sorry. But uh, one of them was saying, look, what really pisses pisses them off about the flash scene in Justice League was that it's everyone's fault. It's both of the drivers fault. It's the hot dog cart guy's fault. No one was paying attention. And in this trailer, we have this plastic bag floating around in the tunnel. So, hey, yeah, no plastic. We should get rid of that shit. But also, this drive, this guy's driving a semi through the through the tunnel. The plastic bag flies up into his window, and he automatically, like, turns the wheel and hits the brakes. It's like, what are you, what are you doing? Maybe you should not act like an idiot. Are you new to truck driving, maybe? You should just try and, try and slow down. But it's ca- it causes this big uh, chain reaction that causes a huge fire and explosion in the tunnel. So fun time had by all. Two more movies left to talk about. One of them is called Moffy, coming to VOD as well. A young man in South Africa, 1981, must complete his brutal and racist two years of compulsory military service while desperately maintaining the secrecy of his homosexuality. Uh, This stars no one of note, but compared to those other movies have come out, this is the best looking one so far. And we've heard stories like this before. We've seen movies like this before, but I think... Unlike with like the tunnel and held where we've seen movies like them before, probably done better. I think with a movie like Mafia, that's based on something that probably really happened. I don't think it's a biopic. Uh, let's see. Let's see if it's a biopic. Mafia. No, it's not. But I really doubt that in 1981, the military in South Africa, let alone the military in America or Great Britain was like, oh yeah, you're gay. That's cool. Come on over. We're, we don't care. We're going to, we're going to treat you well. So I think stories like this are important to show because it should make the country it's based in and everyone embarrassed for humanity. If we, we should have movies like this of the American military so we can watch it and be embarrassed of how stupid and awful and, and just prejudice things were and in in a lot of cases still are so where held and the tunnel are movies i felt like we've seen before and maybe even done better mafia even though we've seen stories like it i think is an important story to still keep telling and the final movie of the week is a film coming to netflix called thunder force in a world where supervillains are commonplace Two estranged childhood best friends reunite after one devises a treatment that gives them powers to protect their city. This stars Melissa McCarthy from Spy, Octavia Spencer from Hidden Figures, which we're talking about today, yay! Jason Bateman from Arrested Development, Bobby Cannavale from Ant-Man, Palm Clementov from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Melissa Leo from The Fighter, Melissa Ponzio from Chicago Fire, and Ben Falcone, who is the writer and director of this movie, also wrote and direct Tammy, The Life, or The Life, Life of the Party, and The Boss. You know, Melissa McCarthy's husband, the guy who was on the plane with her in Bridesmaids. He's usually in her movies either getting hit on by her or like verbally and physically abused. One of the two. But I'm excited for this. I I am. I am a Melissa McCarthy fan. My wife was able to change my mind on that because, you know, I gave her movies a shot. 
Uh, because the trailers do make all of her movies look the same, but that's because it's a safe way to sell her. It's a safe way to sell her movies. Going, hey, you like this other film? Check out this one. And I, I am now able to see the difference between the roles she does and the movies she's in. And uh, to me, this one looks different. Maybe to you, it looks the same. So if you're not a fan, easy, easy skip. But I think this looks funny. It's an interesting idea. And once again, you know I'm going to say it. So here it comes. Another reason why People's Powers is such a great tool for storytelling, because you can do so much with it. So much with it. And there's so much we already haven't done. But yet another thing they're doing where... I think it's a very good idea and taking things we already know, we're already familiar with and just running a slightly different direction with it. It has a good cast. Uh, I really love Octavia Spencer. Uh, Bobby Cannavale is, is fantastic. Not too familiar with Palm Clementov, but I liked her in what I've seen so far. Jason Bateman, classic. This looks like a fun movie coming out this week, so you know we'll be talking about it on the show sooner rather than later. Well, my future friends, that is it for the movies coming out on streaming. Let us take our next break as we hear a word from our friends at the Watch Mouth podcast. And we'll be right back with the first movie, which is Hidden Figures. Stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall, filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> the f*** yeah. did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? Fuck all that, f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, it is time to talk about Hidden Figures. And I know it's an older movie. 2016, I think. Let's see. Yes, 2016. Or 2017. January 6th, 2017. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's an older movie, you know? Not super old at all, but... Kind of old to be talking about on a podcast, right? Not a, especially a podcast that tries to say current. But the reason I want to talk about it is because I kind of wanted to talk about it for Black History Month, didn't get around to it. And it's still an important movie no matter what month it is. And I do talk about the film a lot because whenever I talk about Tara G.P. Henson, Octavia Spencer, or Janelle Monet, I usually say Hidden Figures is what they're from. And it has been on my to-be-watched pile for a while, so we finally got around to it. This is on Disney+. Plus. It's also on Hulu with a premium subscription, and you can rent it on YouTube, Google Play, and Vudu for about $3.99. And if you don't know, let me tell you that Hidden Figures is the story of a team of female African-American mathematicians who served a vital role in NASA during the early years of the U.S. space program. This stars Tara G.P. Henson from Hustle & Flow, Octavia Spencer from Fruitvale Station, Janelle Monet from Moonlight, Kevin Costner from Dances with Wolves, Jim Parsons from Big Bang Theory, Marshala Ali from Luke Cage, Kirsten Dunst from Spider-Man, the first three Spider-Man movies with Tobey Maguire, and Aldous Hodge from Straight Outta Compton, as well as Glenn Powell from Scream Queens. Glenn Powell, I actually liked in this movie. Uh, he was in that Netflix movie Set It Up with, um, oh, I can do it off the top of my head, with 
handsome guy from Rent, um, <laughs> Lucy Liu, and that one woman. Okay, I can't do it. Zoe Deutsch, and what was her name? Oh, uh, Tyrese. Yeah, Tyrese Gibson. That's a handsome man. <laughs> and Zoe Deutsch. Thank you, sweetheart. That were the other people who were in that film. It was not a good film. Uh, I did not, especially did not like him in the film. But in this movie, I liked him quite a bit. But let's not start off a movie focusing on the accomplishments that were ignored for years of African-American women in NASA by talking about a white guy. Let's move on to them. This film, based on a true story, you could read actual books with historical facts in them about these women, about Catherine G. Johnson, Dorothy Vaughn, and Mary Jackson, all real people. Uh, I think all of the main people were based on actual people, too. And you know what? You know what about Janelle Monet? Let's talk about Janelle Monet. Because I remember when Fun's second album came out. Fun, who has been on hiatus since 2015, uh, their first album was Aim and Ignite, but then in 2011, their next album, Some Nights, came out, which um, which really made them explode. And fun fact, the night before their single dropped, my friends and I went to see them live. So we went to see them live, and there's still basically nobodies. And then the next day, their single was everywhere. That's our claim to fame. But anyway, the first time I ever heard of Janelle Monet was from that song, Some Nights. Oh, no, I mean, from the song, We Are Young, off the album, Some Nights. So I was familiar with Janelle Monet as, an, as a musical artist first. So when I started seeing she was doing acting, I was like, okay, she's just another musician, actor who may not be bad, may not be bad at all. But, you know, we're, we kind of expect certain things, don't we, when we see musicians trying to act. But with her, I like her music. I like her more as an actress. I think she is really good. And Tara G.B. Henson has been a. Did I say that right? Yeah, Tara G.P. Henson has been around for quite a while. Been around since 1997. Her first role was in a TV show called The Parenthood. Uh, one episode. She's in one episode of Sister Sister, two episodes of ER, and then she started to grow from there. Um, she was in a TV, Murder, She Wrote TV movie, which blows my mind. Because that feels like two separate parts of my life, like as a child watching Murder, She Wrote. And then, you know, now uh, she was in a TV show called The Division for a few years. Uh, and then she did Person of Interest for a few years. And then she started to get bigger roles. Like, I still want to see that movie she did from 2018 called Proud Mary. I never saw it. It sounds really interesting. That's the one where she's a hit woman working for an organized crime family in Boston. And then she crosses paths with someone who kind of makes her look on things turn around going hmm maybe should i be doing this kind of thing <clears throat> but with this movie we have these three people these three main actresses coming together who who kill it we have octavia spencer we all love her she's been around for a long time she can just put herself in a role she can she can not even try she can just half-ass it and she's great and we love her in it she can play herself in a role and we're like, yes, this is Octavia Spencer, and we love her. Janelle Monet, very impressive, getting more impressive as she goes. Tara G.P. Henson, another person like Octavia Spencer who's been around for a while, but she's getting more and more notice from a wider audience, which I think is great for her. Uh, Kevin Costner, he's Kevin Costner. We like him. Even his, even his bad movies, people still like. People still like Waterworld, even if the joke is it's not a good movie. Uh, this is still like the postman, even if the joke is it's not a good movie. 
these are talented people in this movie, but we all know that talent as an actor isn't enough. There has to be more. It has to have a good script. It has to have a good person behind that script. And this has Theodore Melfi, who was a... Let's see what else he's done. I know not much about him. He directed St. Vincent. I like that one. St. Vincent with um, Bill Murray and Melissa McCarthy. Uh, let's see. He also did... Wow, St. Vincent was his first big thing. And then he did Straight to Hidden Figures. And he really hasn't done much since then. But you know what? Do your thing, Theodore Melfi. Do your thing. Be Be proud. Clickety-click as I open up more windows and change things around. Bloop, here we go. Yes, hidden figures. Um, important story to tell for, for many reasons. Because these women worked at NASA. It was their job to be there and do these crazy math equations that I couldn't even begin to try. I couldn't even look at that and pretend I would know what to do. And they had to work in this sub-basement far, like on the far end of the NASA campus and they had their own bathrooms, not in a good way, like, you know, not like, oh, we have this bathroom right here. No, they had a colored only bathroom because NASA was still segregated. But then because stuff is starting to get crazier in NASA, like we had Russia send up Sputnik. We had Russia send the first uh, first animal up into space and the first man up in space. Russia kicked our ass in the space race until the moon. And these women helped. So these women were starting, were starting to be pulled to different areas because they're like, oh, we need someone to do this in this white part of the building. We need someone else to do this and do this. And so they start moving around. And it's only then that certain people got noticed of them because we see Kevin Costner noticed Katherine Johnson, played by Tara G.P. Henson, and I, I really liked how they built up his cha his he didn't really change. He just didn't understand what was going on, per se. Like, I don't think he got it because she would just disappear for at times because she would have to go to the bathroom. There's no colored bathroom on that side of the NASA campus. So she have to run even in the rain all the way over over to the other side, go to the bathroom, all come all the way back. And he'd ask her, hey, what are you doing? Why are you disappearing for so long? What is more important than this? And she tells him and he's like, he's like, what? Why? And so we see that famous scene from the trailer where he's up on a ladder with a hammer breaking down the, the colored sign. And he makes a statement, use any bathroom. There's no more colored bathrooms, no more white bathrooms, no more black fountains, no more white fountains. But what I like about this film is it's not a white savior movie. This isn't one of those films that we have to wonder, like, should we like this? Because it's about this person of color who would never have been able to do anything if it wasn't for this other white dude. But it's not. It's not one of those because these women did it themselves. They, like, they may have needed Kevin Costner to do that one thing, but they were doing the work. They were doing everything. They are the ones who made this possible. Tara G.P. Henson's character solved the equations that allowed them to send up the rocket and to find out when it comes back down or when the window is when it can come back down. Janelle Monet was working on the on the rocket itself. No, I'm not on the rocket. She's working on the space capsule, figuring out why it keeps on, you know, falling apart. And Octavia Spencer was learning, taught herself how to use a computer. Computers back then, of course, were these big things that took up a whole room. She taught herself and became an expert in the computer because she saw this computer coming in and knew that her ladies 
because she was in charge of all the women of color who were mathematicians at NASA. She knew that they would have no future, that the minute this computer turned on, who would be expendable? Hmm. I wonder who would be. So these women did it themselves. And that's what I liked about this film. Mershala Ali uh, played a wonderful love interest for uh, Tara G.P. Henson's character. I, I loved their romance. It was really good. And I just like him a lot. I, I loved him in Green Book. And I know Green Book's an iffy movie. Some people look at it as a white savior movie. I don't. Because Viggo Mortensen needed him just as much as he needed Viggo Mortensen. They were working together. Dr. Donald Shirley needed Viggo Mortensen's help to get around in the South, and Viggo Mortensen's character needed Donald Shirley's help to become a better person. But look, I am I am an, an Asian man, a half white, half Asian, so it's not my place, really, to say, to complain about this uh, films like this. I don't see that film as a white savior film, but it's also not my place to say if it is or if it isn't. So, you know what? If the community, the most of the community is out there saying, yes, it is, then I, I guess it is. But Marishala Ali kills it. He does a good job. He's so charming and just charismatic, and it's amazing. And Jim Parsons, God, I wanted to punch him. And for a non-Sheldon reason, I wanted to punch him. And that is fantastic, because I think Jim Parsons is a true talent. I think he is just, he is just, I say this a lot about a lot of people, but especially with Jim Parsons, he's one role away from a huge award. This movie did everything right. It had a good story that had the benefit of being based on true events. The director, I don't know about much about the director, even though I've only seen the two main movies he's done, but the director had a vision. That vision came through. Uh, the acting was good. The message was good. Everything about this was good, except the pacing. And I know, I know I complain about pacing in movies a lot, and that's because it's true, especially with this film, because we have these three women, and Tara G.P. Henson's Katherine Johnson is arguably the main character, but they also endear us to Dorothy Vaughn and Mary Jackson, Octavia Spencer and Janelle Monet, respectively. And their stories are mainly ignored. We get enough of their stories to know what happened. But it focuses so much on Katherine Johnson that I feel I wish this movie was actually longer than two hours and seven minutes. Two hours and seven minutes. It just maybe 15, 20 minutes longer break those scenes up around the movie to give us more of Mary Jackson and Dorothy Vaughn so they they too could have full stories. As it is, this is a good movie. It could have been better. That doesn't mean at all that it was bad. Hidden Figures is a enjoyable film. It's an important film. It is a film that I will re-watch. It is well acted. It is well written for the most part because I'm not sure who to blame about the pacing. Is it this? Was it the screenplay director, producer? Since I can't place the blame, I'll just say it was well written. And these are the type of films we we will always need, but we especially need them now to see the parallels in our modern day to go look. Segregation legally isn't a thing anymore, but systemic racism is still a thing. So movies like this are very important for many cultural and political and socioeconomic reasons. But what I'm going to say is this movie is important because it's a good film. It is a good film with 
a story. It is a good film with a good lesson behind it. It is a good film on many different levels. It's not perfect, as I already said, my issues with the film, but everything else of the film is good enough to rise it above the problems. If you've never seen this film, do yourself a favor and watch it. It is a joy. Hidden Figures gets a 10 out of 11. That's right. If they just fleshed out the other two characters a little more, it would have been a perfect movie in my mind. All right, my future friends, one more break to go. Let's pause and hear a word from our good, good friends at We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. Just had their 100th episode. Be sure to check that out. And we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're we're doing doing fine. fine. Hey friends, we are back. You know we're back because I'm talking again. We're back with a movie called Freaky, which you can get on Redbox or also Rent from YouTube, Google Play, Vudu, Amazon Prime uh, for $5.99 a piece or Apple TV for $14.99. I was going to say if you hate money, you can rent it on Apple TV for $14.99. But if you're an Apple fan person, you probably already hate money. And so, yeah, $14.99 for Apple TV. That's for you. So freaky. After swabbing bodies with a deranged serial killer, a young girl in high school discovers she has less than 24 hours before the change becomes permanent. This stars Vince Vaughn from Wedding Crashers, Catherine Newton from Blockers, Celeste O'Connor from Irreplaceable You, and Misha Oshovervich from Nosferatu. I wanted to see this movie when it came out. You guys know this. You remember me talking about it. You remember me saying how much fun I had watching the Happy Death Day movies. You remember that I said Freaky had the same writer and director as Happy Death Day and as Vince Vaughn. Yay, Vince Vaughn. We still like him. He has not been canceled yet, and we're very happy he has not been canceled. So going into it, this movie had everything going for it. It even had an entertaining looking trailer and a very interesting idea. Body swap films are nothing new. Nothing at all. But just like time loop movies, you remember me talking about the map of tiny perfect things, just like time loop movies, they're a wonderful vessel for a new and interesting idea just based on something that has been done before. And that's exactly what this is. This is a very fun comedy horror that you just shouldn't think about too much. You you shouldn't think about the fact that not only does Catherine Newton's character, Millie, get transferred to the butcher, who is this local killer, the butcher's body, but then he does too, so we have this old man in a high school girl's body. And luckily, the movie doesn't allude to the creepy possibilities with that. Instead, they focus on the fact that Vince Vaughn is really good at comedy, and they go, hey, let's focus on that. Let's focus on Vince Vaughn originally being playing a serial killer, now playing a high school girl trapped in an old man's body. And it's hilarious. The trailer for this film does a great job of showing you exactly what to expect, but without spoiling anything. At least not that I can remember. 
And I think that's a good sign because even if it did spoil something, I didn't realize it was a spoiler at the time. So if you watch a trailer and you don't think it's for you, guess what? It's not for you. This isn't one of those movies where the trailer doesn't do a good job. This is one of those cases where the trailer shows you exactly what to expect. This is a comedy. It never takes itself too seriously, but of course it's not a full, it's not a satire though. It, it rides that line perfectly between we're having fun, but we're not going to satire levels of goofy with it. And of course, a movie about kids in high school has to have some sort of a love story in it. And this one had a cute love story, but it also didn't try to make it too big of a part of the film. So I think I think this movie did it perfectly. It 100% knew what it was going into it. It stayed true to that. It didn't try and do more, but it also wasn't predictable. Okay, well, what's going to happen in the end, you do kind of see coming. But that's not always a bad thing, because there are certain types of movies you watch, and there really is only one way it can end. Unless they're going to go for a swerve, and it's going to change the whole tone of the movie... Or they go for something different and it just sometimes it works and other times it falls a little flat. So it, it, it has this feeling of discontinuity from the rest of the film. So even though this film went exactly where I thought it was going to go, it didn't do it in a boring way. I was in, entertained the whole time. And I also like the fact that there could be a sequel or it could be a standalone. And I haven't ruined anything for this movie yet, which is good because I forgot to do a spoiler warning. So from now on, I'm going to spoil spoil the film. Um, and just always remember, if you are a fan of the show, in, until the way the show goes changes back to the old segment, and I'm still talking about movies on streaming, I'm not going to hold back from spoilers. So spoilers from this point forward. Ready? Go. So Vince Vaughn get, dies in the end, because they, they switch because of this weird knife he steals when he's butchering out butchering high school kids. So he kills them, steals this knife that the dad of one of the kids got at an auction. He then hunts more high school kids and he sees Millie. Yay, there's Millie. She's a kind of a loser. Uh, I get picked on by the main mean girl, huge bitch person. And I have this group of outcasts who are very loyal. We're all very loyal to, to each other. Such great friends. But oh, no, I'm getting killed by the butcher. No. And then they switch places. And guess what? They have 24 hours, I think, to switch back, or they're stuck that way. So they do switch back, and in a very typical of a slasher genre move, they think he's dead. They think uh, the butcher's dead. He's being carted away in the ambulance uh, in a body bag. He wakes up, kills the people, gets out, goes back after Catherine Newton. And then Catherine Newton, along with the help from her mother and sister, kill him. He is dead. He is D-E-D dead. They could still do a sequel or it could be a standalone and I would be happy with either. If this is the only movie in the freaky series, I would 100% enjoy it because it did finish. It finished and you're like, okay, this is it. I 100% believe that the story ended here and I don't expect anything else, but they could do a, another film. It doesn't have to be Catherine Newton. It could be a new cast, but the same knife, the same uh, cursed or haunted knife that made the switch in the first place. I don't think they should, because I think this was good. They they could leave it that way, because Happy Death Day 2 was not as good as Happy Death Day 1, and nothing leads me to believe that this director, who I do like, I'm not sure what he could do better for number two. But hey, if Christopher Landon has a good idea, I think he should do it, 
because I will watch it either way. Freaky took a tired idea and it did something new with it. Body swapping is a fun mechanic. We've seen it in we've seen it in the Justice League cartoon when Lex Luthor and the Flash switch bodies. And when with Lex Luthor and the Flash's body, he goes, I know what I'm going to do while I have the chance before they switch it back. I'm going to take off the mask so to reveal who I am so I can go after this person. So Lex Luthor, as the Flash, go, finds the nearest mirror, takes off the mask, or takes off, yeah, the Flash's mask and goes, I have no idea who this is. Because who the f*** is the Flash? He's not like Clark Kent or Diana Prince or Bruce Wayne, who are well-known people. The Flash is a no one. Barry Allen is a no one. <laughs> so freaky. I, I liked it. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, it's it's going to be a rewatch. Maybe not yearly, maybe bi-yearly. But it was a fun film. It did what it promised it was going to do, and it did it well. And I think everyone should give it a shot. Unless, of course, you watched that trailer and you went, no, I don't think that's for me. Trust that instinct, because you are probably right. Look, I know I give a lot of people shit when I say, well, what's wrong with a fun movie? Why does it have to be some artsy thing? And while I do believe that, you like what you like. Let's be honest. I mean, you can't force yourself to like something else. So trust yourself. After watching the trailer, if you think Freaky is for you, watch it. You'll enjoy it. If you don't think it's for you, skip it. But I liked it. And Freaky gets an 8 out of 11. All right, my future friends, no more breaks left. Yay, no more breaks. And it does scare me because I'm slowly making more podcast friends on uh, on so the social medias. Did I say that awkwardly enough? Did that joke work for you? No? Okay. So I've made, uh, I'm slowly making acquaintances in the podcasting world. And it scares me one day if I'm going to have more ads to play because I don't want any more ads than this. This is the most I want. I would prefer one fewer, but watch mouth and... We're doing fine. Play my promo every episode. And I'm technically still part of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network, so I want to do theirs. So one, if I ever get another podcast friend, I'll have to figure some fair way of balancing it. But we'll see. But for now, uh, for now, I promise you, no more ads than four per episode. And if, if you honestly think that's too many, just let me know. Always be honest with me. If something works or it doesn't work, if I say something you think is offensive, let me know. Just tell me. I'm here. I will listen. I read the reviews. It doesn't bother me every night in my sleep for that one three-star review on, on Apple Podcasts. Not at all. No, not even a little. Honestly, just talk to me. I'm here. I'm not some celebrity. I'm just a dude. I'm just a dude that sits at my computer talking to myself. Right? I'm, I'm just a normal person, sweetie. I'm not rich. I know. I lied to you. Ugh, I'm such a dastardly bastard. But anyway, let's jump right into the question of the week, which unoriginally, because I think I've asked something similar before, was which movie from the 1930s to the 50s would you like to see remade? And we got an answer outside of the house, and guess who it is? You have one guess. Yes, it's our good friend Brian Q coming in with the save. And his answer is... I think a modern adaptation of Day of the Triffids could make in, could be made into a good film. Poor writing and bad acting would probably see a remake that's just trash, but a good movie could be made out of it. And that's a really good point to make, because remakes and reboots have a bad reputation, and that's for a reason, because for so long we, we saw bad ones. 
but also we have seen some good ones. And I don't think the good ones get as much love as much as the bad ones get hate. And Brian Q, I, I'm pretty sure you're talking about Invasion of the Triffids, actually from 1963, uh, because I, oh, it's also called Day of the Triffids. I guess they have two titles, apparently. Uh, Day of the Triffids was the original title, then it was changed later to Invasion of the Triffids. Uh, it says, after an unusual meteor shower leaves most of the human population blind, a merchant Navy officer must find a way to conquer tall, aggressive plants which are feeding on people and animals. And yeah, that sounds like it could be very terrifying. So kind of like Bird Box, but with Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors. Or Audrey 2? Yeah, Audrey 2, basically. Thank you for that. Our next answer comes to us from In This Very House, another movie from the 60s, but you know, I'll, I'll let him pass. The Birds is what Anne says, and she says, I quote, I'm sticking with The Birds, but starring Catherine O'Hara, as all the movies I'd like to see remade have already been done, and the other movies that I love, I don't want to be touched with even a pinky, like The King and I, Wizard of Oz, Casablanca, and Guys and Dolls. So if you don't get that reference on why it has to be Catherine O'Hara, uh, you should do yourself a favor and watch Shit's Creek, and just realize that The Crows 3, The Crow Winning, is a movie. I wish it was a real movie because I'd watch the shit out of it. But yes, uh, The Birds was her answer. Starring Veronica Cartwright, Jessica Tandy, Rod Taylor. Uh, one of Alfred Hitchcock's more famous movies. And oddly enough, even one of the easier ones to make fun of. But still a good film. And for me, I'm going with a movie from 1935 called Captain Blood. Starring the legend Errol Flynn. It's about a young Irish doctor who is exiled as a slave to Jamaica where he captures a Spanish galleon and becomes the most feared pirate in the Caribbean. And I want this for a couple reasons. Uh, I love pirate movies. Errol Flynn was classic, but I don't think enough people know him, so maybe remakes might, people, might drive people back to the old films. But also, I want to see a goddamn pirate movie that's not Pirates of the Caribbean. We don't see many pirate movies anymore. Like, as time has gone on, pirate movies have become less and less a thing until Pirates of the Caribbean. Then they got popular for a bit. Now they died off again because I think people can't help but compare any other pirate film to Pirates of the Caribbean. But guess what? Pirates can still make for a badass movie. Captain Blood, classic Errol Flynn movie. I would like to see that remade. Either that or since once again, I'm a terrible cheater and we all know this. The Thin Man from 1934 uh, the Thin Man with William Powell and Mira Loy uh, is about a former detective and his wealthy wife who investigate a murder mostly for the fun of it. It's a crime comedy mystery. I, I think that could be done so well. And do I have a cast in mind? I'm so glad you asked. I was thinking uh, maybe Tiffany Haddish as Nora, the, the woman, and Jude Law as the man. I think that'd be hilarious. Jude Law can do comedy. He does comedy well, just as well as he does a serious movie. We could also change it around. Uh, also, I was thinking about maybe Jason Satham Rose Byne would be really funny. Or let's bring back that would-be couple from the movie Spy to Jason Statham and Melissa McCarthy. I think that'd be fun. Well, my future friends, it is time for a new question of the week. And this one may be a little harder. What is your favorite movie mechanic and i'm not talking about person who works on cars but things like time travel body swap uh time loop things like that so what is your favorite movie mechanic and once again the examples time travel time loop body swap you know i'd even take things like a 
like you see typically in stories like a rookie cop paired with a grizzled veteran. So, things like that. Have fun with it. But my future friends, let's talk about the movies for two weeks time. Because remember, I'm taking a week break and then coming right back with episode 200. So the movies are going to be Love and Monsters, which is on Redbox, also rentable on, you know, the the regular places you can rent streaming movies. And Thunder Force, the, the new Octavia Spencer, Melissa McCarthy movie coming out this week. So once again, Love and Monsters and Thunder Force. And so my future friends, episode 200 is coming up. And I just want to throw out, throw this out there. Do you want to know something? Do you want to say something? Let me know. Just tell me. Just send me a question, any question, or just leave a comment. Uh, remember all the common ways you can find me, email, Twitter, Instagram, all found in the closing housekeeping, which will be coming up in a moment. Uh, they should also all be in the show notes, which you can find on whatever podcast app you're using. But once again, thank you for so much support over the years, and I will leave the majority of the thanks for next episode. So without further ado, here comes the closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also, share the podcast. Share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.